Well, guys, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast, episode number 52. Now, we're talking about how do we reach men. For the last couple of months, we've been talking about why we should reach men and what men are looking for. But I've got a real treat for you today. Claire Hoover is the executive director of the National Coalition of Ministries to Men. You've heard me talk about NCMM before. But Claire is with us, and we're going to talk about uh, the, the variety of ministries and strategies that guys are using across the country to reach men. So, Claire Hoover, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. Thanks, Mike. It's an honor to be here. Look, been looking forward to this all week and can't wait to see where this discussion goes. Well, I, you know, I just want to tell you guys, Claire, um, we met a number of years ago when he was working for a different ministry, and then we got to serve together for NCMM. I was on the board, Claire was the executive director, then I was the president for a season, so we worked closely together, and uh, I, I'll just tell you, we were going to a tournament in Pennsylvania, where Claire is from, uh, with our daughter, and I said, wow, it literally, the event venue was across the street from Claire's house. So I called Claire and, and about the idea of staying with him to save the hotel room. And Claire said, we're not going to be here, but the house is yours. And so what a cool friendship. I so blessed by the generosity of an individual and his wife who said, um, have our home, have our bed, as a matter of fact, and our bathroom. It was just fantastic. <laughs> we got there and it was the young suite on the door. So, man, I just love your generosity. Your spirit is uh blesses my heart and my soul, Claire. So I'm excited this. Tell us about your, uh, who is Claire Hoover? What are you doing? What's your background? Give us a, give us a snapshot. Yeah. Anyway, it was great having you guys here, by the way, the window right to my right here is uh, that venue across the street. So that worked out great. I uh, hope next time we're actually here. We'd love to spend time with you guys. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. I've uh, been married 32 years to my wife, Bonnie. Uh, she, as you know, is an amazing person, most blessing people. Uh, we had two sons and uh, now have two daughter-in-laws. And um, I don't know if you guys know. Am I free to share this, Mike? Your news? Sure. Uh, Mike is beaming today. He's got the grandbaby beam, as I call it. And I am going to have my first grandchild in August of this year. So I'm, I, I love that look in your face. I can't wait to experience it. So uh, we're excited about that. Uh, background uh, accounting. I thought I wanted to be an accountant. God had different plans. I think one of the things they tell you, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Uh, he had a very different role in mind for me, and I ended up in the IT world. I did IT consulting for a number of years. I uh, got a little frustrated with how much of my life it was taking. I had uh, three friends. We were doing breakfast meetings together, uh, kind of a small accountability group. Three friends took me into a room and said, uh, Claire, you have, your sons have everything except a dad. And wow. that really hurt. Uh, it took, took me two weeks to go back to them. Uh, today... I am grateful. Uh, their honesty changed my life. Uh, at that point, I uh, literally quit the corporate world in about six months and started building our own businesses so I could control my time. Uh, I've been involved in uh, 20 years now in the self-storage industry, mobile home parks, car washes, and laundromats. And uh, not always easy. Building a business is tough. However, it did give me what I wanted, and that was time with my sons. And we actually now work together. Uh, they've joined my businesses. So God had a different plan. I'm so glad. A couple of friends um, pulled me aside, and I'm so glad God and his still small boys kept working on me until I heard his plan. Uh, today, I split my time three ways. I'm in the corporate world with uh, those businesses. I lead the uh, men's group at our local church here, and um, I'm privileged to serve as the uh, executive director for NCMM, where Mike and I got to work together. Yeah. That's kind of in a nutshell. Uh, hobbies, I 
Mike knows this. Anything with a spark plug and horsepower gets my interest. Uh, anything without spark plugs and horsepower, I will do it if you want to hang out for Saturday. But that's all you got one Saturday. I need to get back on. I like bikes, boats, uh, anything that makes rum rum noises and makes me smile. And uh, those things can hurt you from time to time. Claire had a that, that was <laughs> man had a pretty horrific motorcycle accident about eighteen months ago, I guess something like that. That yeah. uh, did some real damage that um, I think you've pretty much recovered from, but I'm sure there's still some residual effects. There's still a lot of friends have questions specifically on the mental capacity, but yeah, <laughs> I'll get back. Uh, appreciate your toughness. Well, listen, so so let's move to the ministry thing. Uh, I want to backtrack through these themes. We, we started, I did a series of podcasts with guys, and we asked the question, why should we invest in men? So Claire Hoover works with NCMM. He uh, works with uh, men's ministry at his local church, and he also invests very strategically in his sons as part of this family business. So, Claire, why should we invest in men? Why should men's discipleship be a priority in our lives and churches? I heard a short answer not long ago, Mike, and I forget who to give credit for. I think you may have heard it as well. It was an NCMM member, one of our leaders, and they said he keeps getting asked why he should invest in men. Yeah, the best answer I ever heard, because I love women and children, I invest in other men. Uh, God, for whatever you want to believe, um, I know it's not politically correct today, but God charged men as being the head of the family, and they are there to serve, protect, and guide women and children. And we've done a lousy job at it. Our yeah. culture has really fallen apart. So uh, if you want a short answer, why get involved in men's discipleship? Because you, you really care about women and children. They need great men in their lives. There aren't enough of them. And our job is to, with God's help, find them and disciple them. Uh, another answer, I think you guys probably heard the statistic before, but if a woman becomes a uh, church-going uh, woman um, or a Christ follower, 17% uh, of the time she is able to lead the rest of the family into that church. For a man, the numbers are in the mid-90s, 93% is the last that's pretty phenomenal. Uh, church membership, we know, is not everything, but it is indicative of a man's heart and how he's leading his family and running his life. Yeah, and whether guys like it or not, everyone around him is watching him. His wife is watching him. The health of the marriage is dependent upon him. The children are watching. Um, their um, likelihood to either lean into Christian faith or lean away from it is really dependent upon what they see dad doing. And so there's there's another way um, someone has said dads are destiny. Uh, I think that was one of the fatherhood ministry guys. And so um, we need to be paying attention to that. That's, that's important stuff. So that's why we should invest in men, because so many are affected by this. Now, Think about this. What are men looking for? Now, you're you and I are about contemporaries, so we're um, on the early end of Generation Gen X, I think we're called, uh, just behind the baby boomers. We've got sons and kids that are kind of millennials leaning into Gen uh, Gen Z. So, what what are men looking for in your sphere? What do you see that guys are hungry for right now? I, I think the uh, the answers have changed slightly over the years. Uh, we've certainly, at our church, were frustrated with not being able to reach millennials, so I brought a focus group in. Um, the answers have changed slightly, but the core of what is in a man's DNA, I think, is, uh, is timeless. I think God designed us all the same from the time he created Adam and Eve right up to the current generation. We just answer it differently. 
Yeah. Uh, if I, uh, at our men's group at our church, uh, one of the things we taught, teach is that inside every man's DNA, he desperately wants to be a knight, uh, someone who rescues women. He wants a princess to rescue. Yeah. And he wants a country to defend, and he wants a cause worth dying for. And just saying those words, I don't know if you felt it. I did. Something yeah. just sent chills through me. Uh, the time I think I first discovered this uh, was, was crazy, of all the crazy things, a movie with a uh, Scotsman wearing a kilt, yeah. uh, Brave, Braveheart. Yeah. Uh, I remember it clearly. Uh, I'm not going to share their names uh, in case they're watching this, but I, he probably remembers it as well. I don't know if our wives know the whole story, but uh, his name is Larry. Uh, we went with our wives to see Braveheart. Uh, we watched a movie that destroyed us, and we were both mm. there crying our eyes out because we saw that man on screen that we desperately wanted to be. Uh, we know sometimes we are. We know how many times we fail. We also want to know if the big call came to die, am I man enough? Is God strong enough to walk me through it? Everything was ripping us to pieces. The credits come on the screen. We're sitting there trying to get our faces mopped up before the lights come up. And I clearly remember my wife and her wife look at us and go, where are we going to dinner? <laughs> uh, him and I... <laughs> <laughs> I watched it, and that, that's what pulled me. That DNA is there. God designed it, and uh, that's what I believe men are really looking for is a cause, something worth. Uh, when we interviewed the millennials, by the way, their their very clear answer was, I want to know that someone cares about my future. Uh, they've been ripped apart by lack of godly men in their lives, uh, fathers who chose not to be there, whatever, employers who will dump you in a heartbeat, just no loyalty anywhere. And all they were looking for was an older man who said, I desperately care about you. Oh, it's fascinating me. It sounds a little selfish on the front end, but if we're going to minister to them, uh, it's the same thing Christ did when he met somebody. If they were hungry, took care of the food problem first. Meet them where they are, and then we can talk about spirituality and, and who God can be in your life. So long answer, but that's, uh, it's a complex question. Oh, absolutely, and I, I, I think it's fascinating. You brought up Christ in this, and that's exactly where we need to grow. Um, those disciples that followed Jesus were willing to put away a lot— in order to come and be part of what he was doing. And so there was some sense that this is going to be a cause worth living and ultimately dying for. This is going to be something that's worth doing. And I don't think there is any less uh, excitement or adventure in the the cause of following Christ today, but we've still got a lot of folks that have not seen it that way. They've not been presented that compelling image of coming after Christ and living out a manhood that honors him and follows his model. As a matter of fact, I, I told you I might read this passage, but let me read this from Mark chapter 1. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, this is Jesus, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Jebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed them, followed him. And so these guys left behind their occupation, their stuff, their family business to go and follow Jesus. And I think uh, I'm in agreement with you that there's a sense of adventure in the heart of every man that wants that type of excitement, that type of thing to give himself to. And so I think there, the, there's a way that the church has to step into that and cast that vision for these young guys. 
I love it. There's a danger in that verse as well. Uh, basically, forsake everything and go fishing. That appeals to me some days. <laughs> yeah. And I love the fact that immediately is used twice there. I mean, these guys didn't hesitate. And that fascinates me. I think sometimes we are reluctant. We want to know what the future looks like. We want to know how it's all going to turn out. But that's not what Jesus guarantees us. And so there's there's something to be said for that. So listen, the 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 theme for this month has been how do we reach men? If we if we know that men are a priority and we have some sense of what they're looking for, then how do we reach these guys? And I, I know that you are personally devolved, involved in strategic men's discipleship and in both your church and the NCMM. So let's start with your church, because it's a pretty remarkable story about how you guys reached men and what you've seen come out of the ministry there at, at your church. So tell me about that experience. How are you guys reaching men? So that story started 15 years ago, and uh, 15 years later, uh, God has blessed us to be, have ministered to 12,000 men. Uh, I got a uh, call from our church saying the uh, current men's leader was leaving, and they asked me to uh, put some energy into it. And I wanted to know part of that. Uh, I enjoyed going to it. I saw how much hard work it is. And I also know it's a difficult space, uh, getting men interested in manhood. Uh, more women are interested in our manhood than we are, quite <laughs> frankly. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I uh, at the end of that conversation, I agreed to try it for one year, but I warned them, I'm a businessman, I'm an entrepreneur. If the chart doesn't go up into the right, I'm out of here. So we both hung up on that call. I, mean, I forget who the leader was from our church. But we both hung up thinking we had won. I was pretty sure I had agreed to a year, and then I never talked to them again, and I go on with the life, selfish life that I was living. Uh, they were pretty sure that God had a call in my heart, and I was a lifetimer. And uh, we both hung up thinking we had won. Uh, here's how it shook out. We started out with 60 men. We were doing monthly meetings, and they were just my best. The reason I got the call, by the way, is I had some of the best attendance of any man in the group. And when they called me to lead it, I said, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but that could also mean I'm the neediest, most least qualified guy that I've been there all the time. Right. But uh, here's what happened. Um, we, uh, I got an agreement. I said, hey, if I'm going to do this, we're going to study the best of the best. It happened to be men's fraternity. And uh, they did a weekly format. When I went back to our pastor and said, hey, I'm switching from monthly to weekly, he put his head down. He was pretty sure at this point I had destroyed it. And a year later, I could walk away. Um, but he said, I'm hoping I'm wrong. Uh uh, but by God's grace, we were both wrong. This thing exploded. So this goes back to that calling on a man. Uh, I remember a commercial. Uh, I think it was for the Marines. Uh, more men, the Marines do more before 5 a.m. than most men do all day. I watched that commercial and said, are you kidding me? I want to run the other way. Anyway, when we went from uh, monthly to weekly, believe it or not, that's what we got. Men wanted to be called up. Uh, weekly is a pretty big commitment. We did the 24-week model. And... Um, However, we were smart enough to say, hey, we know you probably can't be there about four weeks, but if you make three out of four. Uh, the other thing that I remember doing, I was part of the monthly event. I was part of the planning team. I desperately remember calling friends after the event saying, man, you missed a good one. They would say, oh, shoot, that was this week. We're lousy at planning. I mean, yeah. I don't want to know. I know we want people superior to women in every way. They can calendar us around the block. And uh, anyway, so we found out weekly is much simpler. Guys don't have to think. Right. And they would show up three out of four. And if you create a great event, they'll show up four out of four. Well, here's the long and short. 60 men became 250 in the first year, uh, 500, then 700 something. We were 1,300 men meeting weekly by year five. 
so uh, the pastor was wrong. I was pleasantly surprised. And quite frankly, I was stuck because the chart went up and to the right. Everybody won. Uh, God had a plan. I think he was smiling the day we cut that agreement. But that's how it worked. And it's a very simple environment. We worked off the ministry training. We've gone through multiple curriculums. Uh, if you get to know me, you will know that I don't think curriculum is the most important thing. I know that's not popular with the curriculum guys. Uh, they say women don't need a reason to get together. Uh, you just say, hey, we're going to be meeting on a certain date. You ask a guy, hey, we're going to get together on a Saturday. Well, how much does it cost? If it's sunny, do I still have to come? What are you going to do? When do I get out? Is there food? All those details. A curriculum never comes up. Uh, we just curriculum to me is an excuse to get together. We're creating relationship. And that's yeah. ultimately what every guy wants. Uh, it's a lonely space, especially with COVID. And every guy wants relationship, wants to know who's got my back, knows that the world is big and complicated, and I need a team. I need my comrades uh, when things go bad uh, to get around me. So that's the environment we create. And uh, I, right up until COVID, uh, we were running a really good course. We will get back on track, which has certainly been a distraction. So let me let me hit a couple of spots there. I, I'm intrigued with your pastor's willingness to give you some some margin and some latitude, even though he wasn't necessarily. Um, in agreement that it was going to work, he was willing to take a risk on what you proposed. Now, I, and I have to preface this with the fact that I know there are pastors who listen to this. So I want you to speak to how, just it, it kind of process a little bit about how valuable it was for the pastor to have that posture, to be willing to trust you, to take a risk, and to support you in that. And and I know of your relationship with your pastor. I've met your pastor, and um, that continues to be his his posture with the whole men's discipleship space. So speak to that. Yeah, I'm not sure what version I gave you. It depends what day you talk to me. It's actually one of the wounds I carry, but it ended up being part of God's plan of blessing. For the pastors out there, I'm not putting you down, just being absolutely honest. Every men's discipleship leader, if you have a men's ministry in your church, he desperately wants men's ministry to be the same priority for you as it is for him. That's not your reality. God called you to minister to the entire church. Uh, so good or bad, when my pastor called me, uh, I knew enough about the environment uh, to know that might be the last time for a while I heard from him. Uh, his his uh, passion, and this is a big old burly, he reminds me of you, Mike, big old burly football player. Uh, but when he talks about rescuing souls for eternity, he tears up. He immediately becomes, just, you can see his heart. Well, if all he did was help me build a men's ministry, that would deter from him pulling people uh, into the lifeboat. And I get it. Uh, but it was also painful. Uh, so when I would go to speak about this, we got uh, through nice to the 21st century and Iron Sharpens that we got asked to go over the country talking about what happened at our church. Uh, guys would almost always Google my church, and yes, we're a mega church, uh, but that amount of success we had is still not normal. By the way, our men's ministry was three times larger than the women's ministry at one point. Uh, but yeah, we have a great women's ministry. I'm not putting them down, but shouldn't that be the case in most churches if yeah. men are truly following Christ and leading? Men's ministry should flourish. Unfortunately, we don't see it. Here's the long and short. Um, men's ministry was not a priority with our pastor. Guys would Google my church, and when I would challenge them to step up and create a great men's environment, they would almost always come back and say, hey, uh, you're part of a mega church. You've probably got an awesome budget. Your pastor probably supports you. I would cover the mic sometimes. I didn't need my pastor hearing it, but I would say, uh, my pastor took away every excuse you had. I had no budget. Uh, our church supports struggling ministries, not flourishing ones. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> 
And uh, to his credit, our pastor would not take his eyes off the goals that God gave him. I'm glad he didn't. It was painful at the time, uh, but it released us in so many ways uh, to flourish. And it was God's plan all along. So yeah. I may have not given you the answer you were hoping for there. Uh, but pastors, uh, follow God's heart. Pastors, I would encourage you, uh, find great leaders and then get out of the way. I forget which, which minister was it said or which uh, president said it. It might have been Roosevelt. Uh, I build my businesses around that. We were forced to run our men's ministry around it. Uh, my pastor found somebody that luckily got put a call in my heart and then, for lack of a better term, stayed out of my way and let us do what we had to do. Well, in men's discipleship is leadership development. I don't care how you slice it, but you're you're trained, training guys to lead, first of all, their own selves and then their homes and then ultimately in the church. So it, it really is leadership development. I, th- I think it's so critical to the health and, and life of the church. Um, let me ask you this. I know you've got your sons, but you also invest in the lives of many of their friends. So talk to me a little bit about how you've reached a younger generation that you had access to because of your sons and how that's worked out, because that's uh, some guys could use that encouragement and wisdom as well. So, Mike, you and I are in age. This is purely selfish, and we both know it. We want another generation to take over so we can retire someday. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, with my sons, uh, it's been a lifelong passion. And uh, one of the things, it's is kind of a little side note, but um, my oldest son goes out west for about three months every year snowboarding. And I would go through a period of grieving. Had a couple of, I went to a couple of friends and said, why can't I get over this? And one of them, uh, he's my direct friend. If I ever want a, uh, a good butt kicking, this is the guy I go to. And he immediately said, well, Claire, very clearly you've never left go. Um, you're still, you know, he's a grown man now. You got to let go and let him go have his adventure. Uh, I thought about that for about two days. It's somebody I do listen to and prayed about it. And I came back and I realized something and it surprised me. And I want to challenge every man out there. I had two adult sons have become two of my closest friends. Mm. It snuck up on me. I never saw it happening. Mike, you and I are friends. If you were going to disappear for three months, I'm grieving. Yeah. So I'm not going to apologize for grieving my son leaving. I'm celebrating the fact that I finally figured out these two young men have turned into two adults that I actually like. So guys, uh, it takes a lot of forgiveness, a lot of effort on your part. Uh, kids and fathers and sons in particular, uh, the enemy loves destroying that relationship because if he can mess that one up, he can mess your sons up for life on the view of the word father. Hmm. And he can get in the way of the heavenly father's relationship because your heavenly father is going to be a reflection. Your sons view your heavenly father, reflection of how they view their earthly father. So watch that relationship, guard it with everything. And if I could throw a challenge to you, set a goal today, if it's not there now, um, within the next year, make sure your adult children are some of your best friends. Hmm. Be done. It's so rewarding. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, that, that whole thing, uh, it went anywhere from uh, helping them fall in love with God the way I have, uh, right up through uh, doing business together. And it's been incredibly rewarding. Uh, that, um, we have a group of guys that get together uh, four times a year and just talk about investments. No rhyme or reason, just fun. Uh, we encourage each other. I invited my sons into that one night. On the way home, they both said, Dad, we have a couple other guys our age who would love to be a part of this. I never thought about it, why that actually happened. Uh, those guys do not have godly men in their lives who care about them. So it was really weird. Uh, I love when business and ministry intersect. It's just where God has me living and breathing. That's where the oxygen flows for me. Well, that night on the way home, I realized we had stumbled into something. Uh, using business, I can now invest in their young friends' lives. 
They're not going to come if I tell them we're going to do a Bible study. Right. It will come if I'm going to tell them how to get rich. And uh, that's that to me is a little bit of a bait and switch, but I'll do that every day of the week. So we actually invite those young guys into a young men's investor conference. And Mike, you and I know if Christ's love is flowing out of you, it's going to come up in every conversation. Well, that night, I don't know exactly where it came up, but I know they left there uh, not only thinking about becoming wealthy in their lifetime, but also thinking about, hey, there's something else these guys have I might need to know about. So. Well, and this is a good segue for me to talk about. I, I think I had this in our notes for a little bit later on, um, but you have been a tremendous example of allowing God's blessings to flow through your hands to support ministries and invest in the kingdom. And so even Claire Hoover is not looking to become wealthy for wealth's sake. King Claire Hoover is looking to be a kingdom philanthropist and and to invest in ministries and um, resources and tools that are making a difference for the kingdom. And so when you're meeting with other guys to talk about how do we invest wisely? That's really stewardship conversation about how can we advance the kingdom and what what has God entrusted to us that we can use to increase his fame and his glory and his kingdom. So talk about that experience in your personal life and how that's kind of flowing among these friends of yours and now in your son's lives. Yeah, I think this goes back to a 30,000 foot view for me. Uh, there's a quote out there that says, I mean, never waste a crisis. Uh, what I had, what I watched happen in COVID grieved me. Uh, this started out to me as a health issue. It very mo- quickly moved into a political issue, and the one that scared me to death is I saw it become a spiritual battle. Yeah. Uh, anytime, anytime you are facing things in this world that don't make sense, uh, the Bible tells you very clearly you're not dealing with flesh anymore. There's principalities. Uh, I don't know where you guys are at, and I'm not going to get political, but a lot of things I hear today do not make sense. It's a battle I don't get. Uh, people's belief systems. Well, the enemy's been using it. So uh, what I looked at a long time ago, again, Christ's example, when he met somebody uh, as he's walking this earth, he always met their current need because that was a distraction. So if they were hungry uh, in my world, if they're struggling financially, I love helping guys uh, come up with wrapping their head around their finances. I don't know how you can minister to a guy or get him excited about church or leading his family if he's worried about paying his mortgage Mm. next month. That's a complete distraction. And the Bible uh, has all kinds of examples. You've got the Dave Ramseys of the world, tremendous tools. But that's where God always implanted me. Meet someone where they're currently at. Look for what the distractions are. Help them there. And when you heard, remember I said about the millennials, uh, millennials aren't interested in um, you telling them they need to go to church every week the rest of their lives and pray every day. That is not of interest. Um, however, there's all kinds of challenges in their world. And can I, what are you struggling with right now, brother? Maybe I've been through it. Maybe I can help. Maybe I know someone who can, I can point you in that direction. So that it's been a very practical thing for me from a business standpoint. Uh, my pastor wrote it on a whiteboard, um, about, oh man, a year ago, we were still meeting face to face. I took pictures of it because I couldn't believe somebody put it on a on whiteboard. I said, the only reason God will bless you is so you can bless others. That has been part of my DNA forever. It was so refreshing to see someone else wrote it on a board, believed it, and uh, that's where I've lived. So just a a very uh, quick story. Age 27 years old, I sat down with my wife, and uh, we set up a plan to be financially independent by the time we're 40. I specifically wrote about five different goals, and one of the things said I would like the option to retire when I'm 40. I wrote down, underlined the word option. I just got done reading Solomon. 
and I saw what retiring early or chasing worldly pressures can do. If, by the way, if you read the song of Solomon doesn't cure you, read Ecclesiastes, it starts out with all is vain and it goes downhill. Uh, there's so much wisdom in there. So I, I thought it probably made sense uh, to set a goal of financial freedom. Uh, what you do with it, I was pretty sure, uh, was the bigger question. I didn't have that answer, but I did set up that goal. Here's where it gets crazy, just being brutally honest, and it's how God worked with me. About halfway through that process, businesses and the plan that I had financially were going better than my skill set. I'm well aware of what I'm good at, and I'm well aware when God's blessing it. This is, don't ever do this, guys, but I'm being brutally honest here and very uh, humble. I actually told God at one point, I said, God, you're blessing my businesses. Um, I'd like you to stay out of it because this is about me. And if I achieve this with your help, you're going to want something. That may be the stupidest conversation you can ever have with God. Uh, but I think he, I think he laughed and I think he appreciated my honesty. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking that day. Uh, God stopped blessing my business. Are you kidding me? Uh, but I was serious about wanting to be selfish about it. I realized uh, looking back, God takes chances on all of us. It's free will he gave us. When he invested in me and he blessed my businesses and gave me a passion for financial freedom, he took a chance about how I might use it. Uh, when I turned 40, it was about the time uh, we achieved financial freedom. About the same time my church called and I desperately wanted to say no. That was 15 years ago. That has been the hardest, but yet most rewarding 15 years of my life. I'm working harder now than I ever was. Um, if you would have shown me the 30-year-old that had a financial goals, you would have shown me my current calendar. I would have said, what went wrong? I failed. Uh, man, when you turn your life over to God, you don't fail. You finally get your life the way he designed it. And it's so much richer and better. It's just different. It will never look like you thought. That's right. So, yeah, my eyes lighting up here. I'm like, there's a passion line. But I am so grateful that God took a chance on me. And I don't know how he got past the selfishness in me. That's the work he does in your heart over time. Uh, 27 years old, I would have said no. If God would have said, okay, I'll bless you, but I want your life at age 40, I probably would have walked away from that deal out of stupidity. I wouldn't have trusted him. But man, when you trust him, I watched your life and the things God's doing with you and Noble Warriors. Uh, it's just amazing. When you when you wake up in the morning, instead of, instead of saying, God, here's where I'm going, will you bless it? Wake up every morning and say, God, where do you need me to go today? Oh, my goodness. Changes everything. Well, that's awesome. I, I love your heart for this and the, and the way God has blessed and the way you turn that into blessings for other folks. And 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 literally, let's let's move to that now, because you spent a lot of time working as a men's ministry leader in your church, but then that created some relationships. And when the National Coalition of Ministries to Men, you've heard us mention NCMM, was looking for, at that time, an assistant executive director. Now you serve as the executive director um, you were available and said, hey, I've got some time. I'm willing to consider this. So uh, he hired for this position. Um, and so now you get to work with ministries and ministry leaders across the country and in some other countries now that are sold out. Guys who have been willing to lay down everything in many cases so that they can respond to this call to disciple men. So let's spend the rest of our time just talking about what are some of these ministries doing to reach men in creative, unusual ways. Guys, this is going to be in some ways inspiring for you, and I want to say this multiple times, but the, the NCMM website is ncmm.org. Um, so you need to go there and and get connected to some of these ministries that we're going to talk about here 
who are reaching men in different ways. So, Claire, tell us about some of the ministries you get to work with that are pursuing men, reaching men across the country. The first thing I would say, uh, uh, when you jump on that website, by the way, get us your email address. Uh, we do a uh, twice a month. We do a Zoom call, bringing all leaders together. We invite anyone in to listen, and uh, it's been phenomenal. Uh, one of the things I noticed early on, we've been doing that, what, six months now? Probably had yeah. 25, 30 of those calls. There's something early on. I noticed uh, leaders, first of all, everybody on that call I have huge respect for. Uh, God took me on baby steps to get me here. I watched guys like Mike, who God called you immediately, and you had the guts to say yes. I would have said no if he would have shown me the big picture. Hmm. Uh, admittedly, and I'm embarrassed by that, but it's true. Uh, he had to find a different way to get me here. Uh, but I keep hearing the word from these leaders I will have respect for that COVID was a blessing in disguise. I kept thinking about that. I was like, no, there is no blessing in COVID. This thing has been a challenge from top to bottom. However, great leaders with God behind them end up living out that verse where God says, hey, the enemy meant something for evil, but I can turn into good. I see this again and again and again. So uh, what I noticed is with our leaders, uh, the ones who very quickly said, you know what, uh, this isn't going to be over in two weeks. Uh, this may be the new normal. The quicker I can grieve the past and all the things that I've built that worked for me and embrace whatever the new looks like and have God show me the direction. Those guys are absolutely clobbering it. So an uh, example of one of our ministries, by one of the more well-recognized names in men's discipleship, Promise Keepers, um, they had a plan last year uh, to fill Dallas Cowboys Stadium. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, they were on a 10-year, very quiet hiatus, and God brought some new leadership and new life into them, and they're going to come back and have a huge impact. They're going to help all of us uh, bring men's discipleship back to the front page news and get the world excited again that godly men are part of the answer to their problems. Anyway, they had to reroute. Uh, that yeah. became a virtual event. I think, again, I heard them use the word blessing in disguise. Uh, right in the middle of that, didn't feel like a blessing having to cancel a big event. However, the blessing in disguise is it gained them a full 12 months to revamp that ministry. And uh, for those who aren't aware, July 17th of this year, at July 17th and 18th, Dallas Cowboys Stadium, we're hoping for 80,000 men in the stadium and millions. I said that with an M. Millions mm. of other men live streaming on a simulcast. Wow. So uh, embracing new technology, we've broken down all of the geographic barriers where we used to ask men to go on airplanes and fly to events. So we're having to make it virtual. So I watch what Promise Keepers is doing. Uh, I'm thinking about Sam Black with Covenant Eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, Promise Keepers, uh, Ken Harrison and Judge Vance Day, be praying for those men. They're right in the middle of it again. Uh, it's still hard to believe, but a year into this, we're still a little bit gray on filling stadiums. Just pray for wisdom on their part, strength, and uh, it gives them everything they need to make that. Uh, Sam Black with Covenant Eyes, if you guys don't know, uh, when we isolate men, uh, they fall back into their vices. They don't have support groups around them. Uh, whether you have seen it or not, pornography is on the rise. Uh, Sam recently told me that one of the largest porn pornographic groups, which used to charge to be a part of it, is offering complimentary yeah. um, access to their terrible stuff. Um, you want to talk about a uh, feeding frenzy for the enemy, this covid as we isolate men, has just about destroyed us. So I watched guys like that fighting back. I was thinking about um, when I travel internationally, I see something very different. Um, cultures have rites of passage. There are specific ceremonies when a young man uh, becomes a man. Some of them are kind of brutal. Those ones in Africa with circumcision at age 17, I'm not a fan of Mike, just so you know. <laughs> but uh, but rites of passage are you. And you, you and I are both big fans of Chuck Stecker. He has yeah. an organization called A Chosen Generation. It's what it's all about, pronouncing you into manhood. 
so amazing stuff going on out there and just watching for ministries that are willing to grieve what we lost and embrace what's new and they will flourish. So I, and because of my exposure to NCMM over the years, I think about other ministries that we could throw into this mix too, like uh, CSB is Christian Service Brigade. And those guys, that's a 80 plus year old ministry that really focuses on helping churches disciple men. It's it's like a um, it's almost like Christian scouting, but uh, really more intentionally focused on this, the discipleship model. And they're not only investing in the boys, but in the men themselves who would lead the boys. So, you know, I think about Christian Service Brigade, and that makes me think about, um, uh, my goodness, uh, another ministry that is helping guys— and it looks like their their target is um, widows and single moms and that sort of thing, because that's what a new commandment men's ministry is all about. But what's happening is Herb Reese, the founder of that ministry, um, puts together teams of men who go out on a monthly basis to minister to these folks who need help. And in so doing, they end up ministering, really, and building discipleship among the guys who are doing the service projects and the work. So you get multiplied impact there. So those are those are two other NCMM members that I think about who are reaching men in different ways, especially guys who, you know, they're, they may not feel as comfortable in church, but if you give them an opportunity to go help someone and do something in, in the way of service, then all of a sudden their eyes light up and they're willing to show up. So... Um, let's let's kick this back and forth. Let's think of a couple more NCMM members and how they're reaching men. Who else can you think of, Claire? Immediately, Glenn Dry comes to mind. Yeah. You guys haven't been down there. Uh, he's what, just west of Dallas somewhere? Uh, east. He's in Victoria, Texas. Okay. Does he actually call it Man Church, Mike? I think that's the name he uses. Uh, what is it? Sportsman's Church. Sportsman's Church. It's a way cool guy. So if you want to be able to go shoot a couple of arrows, maybe pop a couple of guns off and eat some ribs, before and after church, this is the guy you want to hang out with. I've also watched, uh, I think of all the members, he, I probably have so much respect for him watching him recool very quickly. So they went through some bad weather, named the tornado or hurricane yeah. a little while ago. And then most recently, he's right in the middle of this freeze thing. Yeah. This guy, I don't I don't know what it is about him. He's one of the guys, I'm pretty sure when uh, he wakes up in the morning, the, uh, Satan goes, oh no, he's awake again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just... Man, I'm telling you, no matter what gets blown at him, he's smiling and retooling. I've watched him sacrifice that church. Uh, I think someone donated a vehicle. It might have been a Hummer. Do you remember this yes, story? Yes. Um, and it was like the coolest thing ever. And, uh, man, if this is me, I'm like, thank you, God. I'm going to put the church's name on the side. He turns around and said, I think they need a new women's restroom. He literally trades this really cool manly Hummer on a women's restroom. Come on. You want yeah. to talk about sacrifice for the kingdom. I, I love this guy <laughs> to death and what he's doing with that church. I, so Glenn Dry, and when you talk about the hunting thing, that makes me think about um, Rick McGee and, um, oh my goodness, who's the guy with uh, uh, Kids, Kids Outdoors? Kids Zone? Outdoors on TJ Grady. TJ Grady, yes. So, so these guys are focused on taking fatherless kids and giving them exposure to outdoor experiences, whether it's uh, hunting or fishing, or uh, sometimes they do go and do farm maintenance on equipment and so forth. But what's what's really happening there is that godly men are investing in the lives of fatherless men. And man, you want to do something, go to Kids Outdoor Zone and watch some of the testimony videos of what's happening as they are reaching these young men for Jesus. They're having, having young men come to Christ because older men are investing in their lives. 
Guys, if you uh, watch what just happened here, I felt my whole spirit lifted. I see Mike lighting up uh, because we're talking about how big this kingdom is that God created of warriors for discipleship. Um, when I woke up this morning, I was all alone, and I felt alone a lot of the day, and the enemy was attacking because we're about to do some some uh, some kingdom work here, and I get used to those attacks. Mike, this is the reason NCMM works. Uh, my my soul just lit up because, because of this organization, God has put us in touch with these other men. They're not even on the call today, but just talking about them and the call God put on them makes me feel excited again and puts me back into battle. Uh, guys, we would love to have you consider joining NCMM. Mike gave out ncmm.org. Uh, my cell phone, 717-682-4517. Pick up and call. Um, our strength is in our numbers, and I get excited every time. I used to get frustrated every time a ministry would call me and say they never heard of us. I now get excited because God has this whole army out there that we haven't met. He keeps raising them up. And uh, I know one of the questions you asked, Mike, what is an NCMM member? They go anywhere from Promise Keepers, which is a huge organization, Man in the Mirror, all those Lifeway, all those big ones. Uh, right down through the mid, but the ones Mike and I got the most excited about are, um, we talk about a guy sitting at Starbucks with one other guy. Yeah. That guy is a men's discipleship leader, and we've created room in NCMM under an apprentice membership uh, for them to get in. We want to get around and support them. Uh, that may be the guy who just keeps ministering to that one guy, and that's amazing. God may be calling him to be the next promise keepers, next man in the mirror, uh, next noble warriors, whatever it is. So we want to surround them, bring them all into the family. But I just love what I feel just happened here again. This is why MCM exists, so we can encourage one another, and we're stronger together than apart. Amen. Yeah, I love that. And I again, I'm going to encourage you guys, go to ncmm.org. We'll put this link in the show notes. But if you uh, click on directory, and then if you're, let's say you're interested in, I'm on the page right now. So if you're looking for outside ministries or um, outdoors ministries, you can find different ministries that will meet that criteria that, that work with guys in the outside. You can find ministries that are dealing with purity. You can find ministries that deal with fatherless kids. You can find ministries uh, literally across the country. So connect with those ministries because they may have resources or wisdom that would help you. But here's the other thing. Guys, you may be listening to this and you need to be a member of NCMM, like uh, like Claire just mentioned, and join this fellowship of, of guys who have a calling. We share this calling and... My my favorite analogy that I use to talk about NCMM is, you know, Jesus told us to pray because the fields were white unto harvest. Pray for the Lord to send out laborers. And so I envision the world of men's discipleship as this huge wheat field. And, and there are some guys out there who are harvesting this wheat, and they have big, massive combines and and then there's some guys who are just barely getting it done with an old clunker of a combine. There, there's some who are using a horse-drawn, picking one row at a time combine. And then there are others who have what we would call a scythe. I remember this when I was a kid. It's you, you, it's, you cut wheat by hand. And, and then some others who would just pluck individual heads of grain and thresh them by themselves. So they're all, there's room for all kinds of people to be at work in this wonderful harvest field of men's discipleship. So guys, check out NCMM, learn to connect with some of the existing members, but we would love to have you consider joining the coalition of guys who are part of Discipling Men and we recognize that this is what God's called us to. So uh, can't emphasize it enough. There's part of my story circles around um, my NCMM exposure and experience. 
And so uh, I am forever grateful for this organization. So, Claire, finish us off with a final couple of comments or thoughts, and then we'll bring this uh, this episode of the Nobleman Podcast to closure. So I was honest with you. When my church approached me, I didn't want any part of it. Um, I knew enough to know it was going to be a tough calling. I knew the enemy uh, put a mark on my back. And minute, minute I said, I'm going to dedicate part of my time uh, to calling men up to Christ. Uh, guys, I don't know what your experience has been, whether you're actively involved in men's ministry or God's put a little uh, touch in your heart. It is not easy. And if you're involved in or about to get involved in it, prepare for times of discouragement. But I want to give you a couple of final thoughts. Uh, number one, God has never given up on men. As much as we have turned our backs, he's never given up on us. No matter how discouraged you get or how concerned you are about starting, uh, don't you dare give up because God hasn't. Uh, secondly, two images. Um, I love both of them. Uh, the first one I just sent out, Mike, you probably got a copy. I just sent a text out. It was a uh, medieval soldier in full armor on his knees. The caption said, Satan saw me on my knees and thought he had won until he heard me say amen. Mm. That just goes through me. Uh, yeah. That's a terrifying moment for the enemy and a wonderful image of uh, we're strongest one on our knees. The second one I love, and I've been in points of discouragement. I've sent this out to our leaders because I know the enemy attacks and we're in an uphill battle and COVID didn't do us any favors. Uh, it's a beautiful image. It said, um, I wanted to throw in the towel. Uh, God took the towel threw it back at me, told me to wipe my brow. We're just getting started. Yeah. I love that. His confidence, there was no excuse. Every man wants to be called up, wants to have something worth dying for. But in the heat of the battle, uh, there's something beautiful about literally saying, God, I'm at the end of my whip. Uh, God has a wonderful response. Good. I'm glad we got that over with. Yeah, it's correct. You can't do this, but we together can. Now let's get started. I love that. Amen. Well, listen, thanks, Claire, for being part of this. There's something I forgot to say, and that is the NCMM has this really cool resource, a book called How to Disciple Men, short and sweet. It's 45 chapters written by men's ministry guys, all members of NCMM, about how to disciple men in and through your local church and community. So, um, guys, check that out. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And I'll tell you, if you have listened this far and you will go and uh, like this podcast and comment on it, then we will send you a free copy of that book. So um, go out there and do that, and we'd love to put a copy in your hands and uh, equip you to, uh, to continue to invest in men. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us for the Noble Man Podcast. This has been episode number 52. Next time, we'll talk with another NCMM member, actually, about how we reach men. And so we'll look forward to being with you next week for the Noble Man Podcast, episode number 53. God bless you guys. Thank you.